Land represents generational wealth. And that's why they want to take black people's land. They don't want your children to be rich and your grandchildren and your unborn children. They want to take the land. They take the money and they take the power. And Gary Grant said, this wasn't done to black farmers under the rebel flag. It was done to black farmers under the American flag. And so whoever grabs the mic today, we got to be really clear to beloved community of why Bill Sack must go. You know, that, that just shows what all the systematic racism and discrimination that's been going on in the program from all these years. My generation is out here wiped out. And I mean, they took everything from my family. Um, they took all of our land, our equipment, even the last grain that was in our bins, they sifted out. So they left us truly with absolutely nothing. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Ivarum. We're spending the hour hearing from Black farmers and their advocates who traveled here to D.C. on March 1st from 15 states around the U.S. to rally in front of the White House and demand that President Biden fire Secretary of Agriculture Thomas Vilsack for continuing this century-long tradition of state-sponsored race discrimination, land theft, and economic deprivation of Black farmers. Starting three years ago, Black farmers secured various federal legislation for debt cancellation and specifically for Black farmers. But as you might know, a group of white farmers filed a lawsuit against its implementation. Since then, Black farmers supported race-neutral legislation that became a part of last year's Inflation Reduction Act. But protesters said Wednesday that Vilsack has administered the $3 billion in that act so that it has primarily benefited white farmers and not wiped out black farmers' debt, which in comparison is less than $210 million. Now we're going to go uh, to the first voices from that rally held in front of the White House, March 1st, 2023. What do we want? Yes, yes. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Yes, yes. When do we want it? Now. Yes, yes. Let's go. Now. We tired of being treated like we are nobody. We are somebody. Hey, we somebody. We we just as important as the next man. And I want uh well let's what we want to rally with y'all, what song we wanna say? Somebody else. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. Keep on a marching, keep on a walking, walking up the King's Highway. We ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. We ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. We keep on a walking, 
keep on a talking marching up the king's highway we ain't gonna let joe biden turn me around turn me around turn me around we ain't gonna let joe biden turn me around turn a walking keep on a talking marching up the king's highway we ain't we ain't gonna let bill sack we ain't gonna let Bill sign. Turn this round. We ain't gonna let Bill sign. Turn around. I want to thank all of you here today. And I welcome you to Washington, D.C. in front of the White House to bring about a change at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We come here to let Joe Biden know that we want the black farmers to be treated like black farmers. We want black farmers to get the same resources and the same programs that they give white farmers. We want to do something about Tom Vilsap. We wanted to have a president that was concerned about our issues and concerns. We gave the White House to Joe Biden. He gave us Tom Vilsap. Farmers have suffered long enough. long enough. They have spent more time trying to survive, trying to survive with their families, trying to retain the wealth and all the other benefits that black farmers should have and don't have. We have a county committee system. A county committee system in rural America that administration after administration, president after president, secretary after secretary, has denied and done nothing about the county committee system that has been a thorn in the side of black farmers too long. We want justice. And we don't want justice later. When will we want it? When do we want it? Justice. And what are you here to do? What about let's agitate? Agitate. Agitate in order to bring about the necessary change that we need for black farmers in this country. We want justice and we want it now. Thank you very much. We need to be much aware that we have supported the Democratic Party blindly. While we were supporting them, the Dixiecrats took over the leadership of the Democratic Party. So now the spirit of George Wallace, the spirit of Bull Connor, you know, and all, the, all of them in that. You know, Lester Matt, Axe Handle Maddox, I think George, I know about it. And we are not gonna allow this injustice to continue, to rob us of our land to stop us from handing down the generational wealth. And we have been fighting this appointed time for 27, I think tomorrow will be uh, March the 2nd. Yes. And I think that's when the fairness hearing was. Yes, tell the history. And not one black farmer, not one, even Tim Pinkford, he's here. You'll he bear witness, not one black farmer wanted that consent decree because they know they was gonna continue to rob us of our land. And they passed it against our will. We asked and demanded that they have discovery in that case. 
because it was the largest civil rights case in the history of this country. And everything they did, it was a debacle. It was more of a sideshow than to show you what justice. And we as blacks in this country must realize that equal justice under the law simply do not exist here for the black and the poor. Yeah. And I'd just like to say, why should y'all support us? Why should blacks support the black farmers? Because if you remember the civil rights struggle, you could not have had the civil rights struggle if you had not had black farmers. We're the ones that went to bond and went to bail. When Dr. King in 1962 was in Albany, Georgia, one of the most racist judges at that time was J. Robert Elliott. He had a picture of uh, Robert E. Lee on one side of the shoulder and on the other side he had the rebel flag. And he got on the news and let him know that he was finna send Martin Luther King to the most violent, the most oppressive uh, jail, uh, prison in Georgia, that was Reedsville State Prison. But black farmers in Georgia, Mitchell Baker and uh, surrounding counties said they gave him a bond. Even if it was a million dollars, we had the land and the corral to go to bond and go to Baker. So we need black farmers because we cannot fight that again because they're robbing us out of the land. And don't let them divide us. Let's not be confused about it. The, the Democrats are no longer in control. The Dixocrats running. Joe Biden, you know, Jim Crow Joe must go. Must go. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And the debt offsets. What they did, we paid them for the discrimination and the injustice we suffered. They offset our social security disability check. If you got a tax return, they took that. All the subsidy payments, they took that. You know, they took everything we did so it was no more than economic terrorism was what they did. And they had a license to do it to us because the Justice Department was just as guilty over there then. And so we struggled all of these years and we have actually the people need to understand that we are tired you know there are so many black farmers that have gone and passed on in transition and they didn't receive the justice you know you think about it bernard bates and she's here amen and he was uh his prayer he was i think about 85 86 he said i hope we can get this song so that my my, my children, my, uh, my my sons and my daughters won't have to go through this injustice that we're going through. And every time a black farmer dies and hadn't received justice, USDA come in and take the land, cut them out five or ten acres for the house, put them on a premium where they got to pay for the house that has been paid for already. We're the only people in America that the Senate can pass legislation, hand it down to the Congress and pass it, then send it to the president, he signs it, and we still can't receive justice. That is a moral disgrace. No one can we can say that the Democrats are our friends when they allow the Dixocrats to call the shots and call the rules. I am the great granddaughter of Lizzie and Gordon Webb. They worked as tenant farmers and became independent farmers in North Carolina. And our family is still blessed by that family land, over 30 acres of land. I wanna speak and I wanna lift up some of the North Carolina farmers that have been influential in this battle for reparative justice for black farmers. Gary Grant, who's in his 80s now, 
He is the president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association. He wanted to be here today, but he couldn't. Again, many of our elders, they've suffered greatly. And so he had to make the decision that he couldn't be here, but he's definitely here in spirit. Amen. And Gary Grant said, this wasn't done to black farmers under the rebel flag. It was done to black farmers under the American flag. All right. And so whoever grabs the mic today, we got to be really clear to beloved community of why Bill Sack must go. And so I'm going to start and I'm just going to build on what has been said by Elder Lucas and Elder Slaughter. Back in 2020, our coalition met with the Biden-Harris transition team. And while we were talking about substantive policy recommendations to eradicate economic suffering of black farmers, Vilsack had another plan. We were talking about a USDA foreclosure moratorium. We were talking about debt cancellation. We were talking about a perpetual allocation in that $30 billion honeypot, what they call the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund. Right. Vilsack responded because he was advisor to the Biden-Harris transition team. He responded that it was unconstitutional, our demand for debt cancellation for black farmers. He does not understand race-conscious remediation for the rot of anti-black racism in this country, and that is baked into USDA. He also countered with the Equity Commission. If you've been following the news today, he announced the report of the Equity Commission. We knew that it was performative justice. USDA has not implemented the recommendations from 1997 with the Civil Rights Action Team report. Those 92 recommendations were never implemented. And so I want to take some time here because it's very important for us to recognize our ancestors who transitioned to ancestorhood without restorative land justice from USDA. It's important to note that 7,000 black farmers were denied outright on their claims with the Pickford lawsuit, 7,000. And then here we are, where the black farmers have organized, stretched out in our radical black imagination, and USDA, under Vilsack, has taken the money that was allocated to address the debt of black farmers and farmers of color and has centered whiteness. He set aside the recommendations, race neutral recommendations that were supported by Senator Booker, Senator Warnock, and S Senator Schumer, and he advanced his own. So when you look at the NPR article that came out last week, you see that a lot of the payments went to Oklahoma and Puerto Rico and Texas, but in the South, we still have a lot of black farmers that are still in debt. And we were the ones, again, like the Pickford lawsuit that initiated reparative justice, and we're still expected to eat crumbs. We're not eating crumbs anymore. No, no. We're not eating crumbs anymore. Just due to time, I'm not going to read the list of the ancestors. I'm not going to read the list, but we carry them in our work. Again, I mentioned, let me just mention two. Elsie Cooper. Elsie Cooper was from North Carolina. He's an ancestor now. And what he did immediately after the consent decree was passed, he challenged it. He, he challenged it and he filed an appeal. Then we have Eddie and Dorothy Wise who wrote a letter to Judge Paul Friedman and stated that they were opposed to the consent decree. Bernard Bates. Yes, Bernard Bates. But let's go back to the Wises because when Secretary Vilsack 
When he was secretary, he had federal marshals go to their farm and push them off their land. Mrs. Wise transitioned a year later, and Eddie Wise, he transitioned after the American Rescue Plan Act was passed, and we were still waiting over 100 days for Secretary Vilsack to implement the debt cancellation program. We are fed up. We are fed up. And we are tired of Secretary Vilsack. Where is the sign of the plantation? Who has the sign of the plantation? Our elders call USDA the mass plantation because that's how Secretary Vilsack runs USDA. Good morning. I want to thank each of you who took time out from your busy schedule to come out to support uh, this march today. Uh, my first trip to Washington was when Bill Clinton was president to try to get black farmers not be, to stop the discrimination and to try to keep black farmers from being treated as second class citizens. During the Obama administration, I met with Secretary Vilsack. I have been discriminated against the USDA. They settled my claim for 10 cents on a dollar. The clause that they put in my claim was that I could never borrow any more money from USDA after they had discriminated against me. Where in the world does the victim get penalized. I met with Secretary uh, Vilsack, looked him in his face, and he shook my hand and said, this is wrong. This was during the first Obama administration. He has not done anything to address this issue as of yet. So we have a person that talks right and walks left. We can't believe in this system and we're not buying this anymore. You know, I think back over my story. My great-grandfather spent most of his life as a slave. The first thing he did when he became free was bought 60 acres of land. Today, we still have that 60 acres of land. Every year, that land has produced income for our family. It's allowed me to educate five children, go to college, and allowed us to expand our operation from Virginia to Arkansas. And the reason I state that, land represents generational wealth. And that's why they want to take black people's land. They don't want your children to be rich and your grandchildren and your unborn children. They want to take the land. They take the money and they take the power. So we need to learn the value of our land and we just need to stop letting people steal it. And the main way that they stole it was through this county committee system. That has got to go. That has got to go. It's the fox watching the hen house. We've got county committee people right now that are trying to foreclose on black farmers' grain tanks so they can take them for themselves. People on the county committee with people on the inside of USDA working against them. So, you know, we need to stand up and demand. When I, when I think things over, I look back in 2002, 2008, where the government of the United States spent $700 billion bailing out big banks, bailing out the automobile industry. Did anybody put up a 
pursuit to stop them from getting their money like they did black farmers. Today, Fannie and Freddie Mae still owe the government, hasn't paid your tax dollars back. Just paying interest on it. These big banks, First United Bank, owes billions of dollars. Is anybody doing anything or saying anything? No, nobody's doing something. But when it comes to black people, give us a few dollars. Everybody got to file a lawsuit to keep us from getting what we're doing. You know, I'm telling you, and what, there's a measure that can't be put in terms of dollar and cents. Discrimination creates trauma. It creates trauma. And when you see your parents suffering and what they go through, it makes the children not want to be farmers. It makes you run from the land. When farming is good, life on the plantation is good when you own the plantation. Thank y'all. Keep up this fight. Don't give up. That was Ricky Haney of Heatsville, Virginia, in the northern neck of Virginia. Before him, Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, executive director of the Black Belt Justice Center and also executive director of Acres of Ancestry. She's a core organizer of the March 1st protest, which was also commemorating a March 2nd, 1999 fairness hearing when hundreds of black farmers also descended on D.C. to protest a forced consent decree issued in Pigford versus Glickman, the landmark black farmer discrimination case that was implemented so poorly that afterward, black farmers lost 1.5 million acres of land as thousands of black farmers were forced into foreclosure and lost everything they owned. According to one investigative report, how the government helped white Americans steal black farmland, Nathan Rosenberg estimated that the theft of black farmers' land and generative income amounted to $326 billion today. It is a good feeling and a bad feeling to be back in Washington again. We stood right over there in Lafayette Park in in December of 96. And shortly after that meeting, Secretary Glickman met with black farmers and he promised that he was going to clear up this situation. We met with President Clinton. He promised. And here we are. 20-some years again, and nothing has been done. And we have uh, folks who have died all across this country, all across the South. Thank you. And I thank you for all of the support, and I would like to thank my wife, Janice, for sticking with me. And I'd like to thank all of the ladies who have came in support of their husband and support of their uh, father's farm. Because we need the ladies and we need young people and we got to start training and encouraging our young people 
to be involved in agriculture. And just like Phil said, agriculture is good. It's a good life. I was raised up on a farm and it, it was very rewarding. And thank you. Can you talk about the meeting that the farmers had with uh, President Bill Clinton and Vice President Al Gore? And do we need to fix the mic? People are saying they can't hear you. Is the well, in that meeting, Al Gore left uh, when it got hot in there. Him and Dasher left. And Bill Clinton sat there and drank a six-pack of Diet Coke. He was more concerned about Monica than he was the black folks. <laughs> and so it got very heated in there for about four and a half hours. And we just laid it out. And some of our congressional people sit there beside him and never open their mouth. So the problem is beyond USDA. Yes, it is. We got a lot of us, a lot of community-based organizations have taken money from USDA. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a shame that they would go against our, their own people. And I also like to thank uh, Lucius Angleson from Georgia, who was very instrumental. We traveled yes. all across the South, taking the word to every state and alerting black farmers of the lawsuit that was coming. And I thank everybody. Thank you. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. You know, I grew up watching what happened in the 60s with civil rights, and this is 2023, and I never thought that I would be here. So this is this is emotional. Um, I have some notes here, so there are some things that I'm going to read, and I'm just going to try and tell what I do know. But my dad, Bernard Bates, was an initial claimant of the Pickford versus Lookman lawsuit, and because my parents were financially stripped of everything, they did not get to attend the initial administrative hearing, which got the lawsuit off the ground. They had no money or help. So I am extremely grateful to Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, the Black Belt Justice Center, and others who have supported this mission and helping all the farmers that are here today. So I thank you very much. I am Carla Bates, representing the Bates family legacy of historic Nicodemus, Kansas. The land that my ancestors homesteaded received land patents and farms in the Nicodemus Township is now mostly owned by white people. I have a sister and three brothers, and we did not get the opportunity to inherit and cultivate the land that my family owned because it was stolen from us. So in the late 60s, my dad and his parents were able to buy the, uh, the homestead that his family had owned. Um, my great-grandmother, uh, who worked very hard to purchase 40 acres of land initially, is what they were able to, to buy. But um, in the end, at the peak of my dad's farming, um, he, he owned 950 acres, and then including rental land that he farmed, it was around 2,000 acres. And so we also had livestock, he had cattle, pigs, chickens, so my dad was a full-fledged farmer. And then in the 70s, what happened is that due to, you know, weather and, you know, man has no control over that, our crops were destroyed. And so this is when my dad's fight began because he just wanted 
to, I mean, he was asking to be able to extend his, his credit or even to make payments. And uh, the USDA, they would not allow that. Um, my dad went so far as to have everybody in our family, um, his parents, my parents, all five of us kids, to try and just get an application to apply to be able to get a loan. And we were never able to, to, to even, we were never given an application to even fill out. But now on the flip side, you know, the same situation was happening all to all the farmers in our area. And so the white farmers, they were allowed to get loans and extensions on their credits and loan payments. But again, we were not able to do that. And so because of not being able to make these payments, then eventually we were foreclosed on. And I mean, they took everything, everything from my family. Um, they took all of our land, our equipment, even the last grain that was in our bins, they sifted out. So they left us truly with absolutely nothing. Um, and so this was just really horrific for my dad and obviously for the rest of the family. And as a result, you know, we hear people talk about the generational wealth and the legacy. That was taken away from us. That was just totally stripped of all of us kids. So we have never gotten that opportunity to be able to farm. Um, and from that moment forward, then my dad, he relentlessly fought. So as a young person in elementary school, I mean, that's all I saw my dad basically do was uh, really, I mean, he always had law books in his hands and he was, you know, uh, filing papers to the court, going to the court. I mean, he wanted the land. Um, you know, I mean, if we couldn't get the land, then at least some money, but he wanted the land. And of course, he never got anything. And his passing, my dad is now gone. Uh, last January 2022, he passed, and he did not get not one red cent from anything. And at one time, he had even wrote discrimination letters of complaint to both Senator Bob Dole and President Ronald Reagan. And after responding, President Reagan then closed down the Civil Rights Office here in D.C. Yeah, so I, you know, I just want to say that I know that, uh, you know, the USDA has mistreated black farmers all across the country, denying them financial assistance. And um, we're just, we just want justice. We want justice. We want pay. And my dad's words during his last days, he said to continue to fight USDA. And so that's what we're here doing. And I just want to say that, you know, we know a long time ago the case was won. So we want the justice. We want the pay. And I just say no more wait. Cut the check. There's not too many people out here that's in my generation out here to take up the fight from us. You know, that, that just shows with all the systematic racism and discrimination that's been going on in the program from all these years. My generation is out here wiped out. There's hardly no, none of us left to stand. I see a young brother right here. There's another one. I seem like two or three or more of us that's in my age bracket out here. Okay. I left my father at home and I came out here today. But that says a lot. And that's... I promised my mother I would frame away from the four-letter words. That says a lot about things that have to change out here. I'm gonna keep that promise to her, but you know, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the fight going, but this stuff has to change, you know. It, it, it makes no sense. I seen a I seen a, a lady talk about they had 2,500 acres of land and got down to 150. That's over 90 percent. 
of their generational wealth taken from them. Yeah. That's not right. That's right. That's 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 crazy. I, I can't imagine that. Yes, mm. mm. wow. This this got changed. Sorry, Mr. Norman, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to change. It's got to stop. No justice, no Let voting. Oh, yeah. Bill Sack and Joe got to go. That was Will Minnesey of Michigan, Carla Bates of Nicodemus, Kansas, Timothy Pickford, plaintiff in the landmark Black Farmer Civil Rights case, Pickford versus Glickman. All black farmers and the descendants of black farmers speaking March 1st in front of the White House. Up next, my conversation with a core organizer for the protest. Stay with us. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Ivarum. And to follow up this week's very important demonstration by Black farmers out in front of the White House, I'm joined by one of the organizers, one of the core organizers, Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, Executive Director of the Black Belt Justice Center and also Acres of Ancestry. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you, Esther. It's um, an honor to be here. We're the ones honored, and I'm glad that you have recovered because I know you've been pretty exhausted after that marathon day and night and day advocating for our farmers and people listening to the show, you know, have heard your voice on this show talking about the issues out there. So give us an update on terms in terms of what happened. You know, you were out in front of the White House. I know that you had the rally, we heard from speakers, and then you had some meetings later that day. And, you know, the farmers had a chance to speak to members of Congress. And, and apparently the White House knew that they heard you, they heard us out there. So give us an update. So the update is that the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, and it provided 3.1 billion in debt cancellation for economically distressed farmers and 2.2 billion in cash payments to farmers for past discrimination. I believe the last time that we spoke, we were at the juncture where 
a subset of white farmers had filed a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the debt cancellation program for BIPOC farmers. So we had to go another way. We had to go another liberatory way. And this was this race neutral criteria pathway. Now, what's really important, the political... Let me just let me just try to make sure I understand. So that we understand about the $3.2 billion in the Inflation Reduction Act, right? 3.1, yes. 3.1. And, and within that same act, there was money set aside for past discrimination. Yes, that was a second pot of money. And that was $2.2 billion that has right. not been implemented yet. Right, okay. Okay, I just wanted to, I want, because that part was, uh, a lawsuit was filed against that. The lawsuit was filed against the American, so a subset of white farmers filed a lawsuit against the American Rescue Plan Act, the equity provisions around debt cancellation. Right. So um, some black farmers with attorney Benjamin Crump have filed a lawsuit against USDA for their failure to implement the American Rescue Plan Act the equity provision around payment of the debt. Right. Okay. So where we are is that uh, we received information from uh, a congressional member that the combined debt of black farmers direct loans is less than 210 million. So we already discussed that over 3.1 billion has been allocated. So then the question is, why are our farmers still in debt? What happened? And again, many of us in the Black agrarian community were adamantly opposed to the third term appointment as Secretary Vilsack due to his abysmal record on civil rights. And so what we have seen, again, is his obstructionism, his misleadership, and his refusal to advance race-conscious remediation for decades of anti-Black racism within the department. And so what happened, our coalition submitted race-neutral criteria that would have addressed the vast majority of the debt of not just Black farmers, but farmers of color. And those recommendations were uh, endorsed by Senator Cory Booker, Senator Reverend Ralphia Warnock, and Senator Chuck Schumer. Secretary Vilsack set those recommendations aside and advanced his own, which centered whiteness. There was an informative, revelatory three-part series with NPR. And the last part that was published about two weeks ago revealed that the vast majority of those payments went to Oklahoma, to Puerto Rico, to Texas, and Arkansas. Now, outside of Texas and Arkansas, the South was completely neglected, which the vast Mm. majority of Black farmers are. And so we descended in D.C. to commemorate the March 2nd, 1999 fairness hearing, where many of our elder farmers came to D.C. and they were adamantly opposed to the Pigford v. Glickman consent decree. 
that resulted in 1.5 million acres of black farmland stolen. Thousands of black farm foreclosures. And of course, this unconscionable debt. Many of our farmers over the last 26 years, if we go back to 99, 97, when the farmers filed the lawsuit, um, it's 26 years of economic suffering. Mm, Although mm. our farmers were fighting for the return of their farmlands, debt cancellation, and monetary compensation for economic harm, only one Black farmer received his land back back in 1999, and that was William Miller. He's an ancestor now from Marshallville, Georgia. He received his farm back. It was 1,300 acres. At the mm. time of the lawsuit, there was uh, 1.5 million acres of Black-owned farmland in USDA inventory. None of that land went back to Black farmers. Mm. Um, mm. It was a billion-dollar settlement and only 4.8% of that settlement went to debt cancellation. And what's really noteworthy is that although the black farmers were the light bearers, so they brought the first class action lawsuit against USDA, then the Native Americans with Keep Siegel, then the Latinx farmers with Garcia, and then the women farmers with Love, the black farmers were the only farmers that did not receive full debt cancellation. So I know I want to get to an update after this week's protest, but explain something to me. Out of that $1 billion in the Pigford, you said only 4.8% went to debt cancellation. Also, 1.5 million acres of Black farmland was lost or stolen. So what happened to, what was done with the rest of that money? If you study the Pigford lawsuit, it was truly a debacle. Uh, the black farmers, and this is uncontested, uh, their farmer, their attorneys represented them poorly. Uh, the circuit court of DC discussed uh, attorney malpractice. Uh, they missed deadlines. They negotiated away discovery, a tenant to litigation. And then after they negotiated away discovery, they put the burden on the black farmers to find a similarly situated white farmer that had not been discriminated against with information that only USDA had. And now that discovery was negotiated away, was not compelled to provide the farmers, <laughs> right? Um, the Department of Justice took a very aggressive obstructionist posture with the farmers, although they acknowledged the discriminatory practices of the USDA and rampant anti-Black racism within the department, they invested over 56,000 hours and $12 million fighting Black farmers on their claims. And this was reported in uh, the report, I believe it came out, in 2006 or 2004 by the Environmental Working Group and the Black uh, National Black Farmers Association. So, and, and that's one of the things that we, uh, we have created on our website uh, is to create a knowledge commons 
uh, we call it the Land Justice Community Archives, so that beloved community members can be inspired by this this segment of uh, our timeline fighting, again, a Black agrarian liberation history fighting USDA. Uh, Mm. So I would invite your listeners to go back and revisit that. But on our website, we have in our archives the transcript from the fairness hearing. And it is, it's astounding. Uh, One of the attorneys, Al Pires, talks about how the cash payments, now we all understand that you can't do much with $50,000, but that's what they negotiated for the black farmers. And it was based on the payments that they provided the Tuskegee experiment survivors. They received 37,500. And so this was a little bit more than that. Now- For their land? Yes. So most of the farmers that went track A, there were two tracks, they received $50,000 and 12500 for taxes. And they were promised, again, if you go through the archives, they were promised debt cancellation. But what they did, they went a backdoor way after the consent decree was approved. And they passed, again, the attorneys working against the interest of Black farmers and the Department of Justice working against the interest of Black farmers agreed to these stipulations that restricted recovery. So that's what happened. And so then they set aside uh, the recommendation. I'm uh, a graduate of North Carolina A&T State University. There was a professor, his name is uh, Professor Donald McDowell, who at the time stated that black farmers would need at least 250,000 to re-enter agriculture back in uh, 1999, and that recommendation was set aside. I think mm. it's also important for your listeners to understand that over the last 26 years, Black farmers, their social security, their disability payments, their uh, subsidy payments have all been offset, have been garnished to pay this unconscionable debt. Yes. You know, people kept saying that word offset and I think you used it at the rally. And so I didn't understand, but I understand the word garnished. (laughs) And so so what you're telling me is that people who had everything taken away from them also had their social security and other kinds of payments that they could have had like disability and other things they were due also taken away from them. Absolutely. So one of the speakers, Elder Eddie Slaughter, he's a double amputee and he's blind in one eye. He actually spoke at the fairness hearing back in 1999. And for 11 years, USDA offset or garnished his uh, social security disability and peanut subsidy amounting to $41,000. Now, it's important to note he only received 50000 and he just recently received debt cancellation um, on an operating loan for 200000 So just imagine this impact. And we actually have uh, the Center for Public Integrity, uh, an incredible journalist there, April S- Sampson, Simpson, is investigating this issue of debt offsets. 
and that comprehensive report is forthcoming regarding not only the racial disparities in debt offsets, but exactly how much has been taken from the Black agrarian community. When I shared with you that we were honored uh, that on the ground was there with us in solidarity, I meant that because it's very important for us to reclaim the, the narrative from white domination regarding the disastrous consequences of the Pickford v. Glickman class action racial discrimination lawsuit. And so we were um, deeply appreciative of on the ground, even suggesting to us to claim that space on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House to make our demands clear and to gather in the circle to be for the speakers to receive the energy of beloved community and to speak thunderously. One of the Gullah basket weavers and potter, potterer that we work with, Georgette Sanders, she prayed for our collective and she said for us to have the sight of the eagle, for us to speak with thunder and for us to speak not for ourselves, but as oracles of God. And what we did on March 1st was very restorative to the mm. Black radical imagination. Mm. Mm. And one of the sugarcane farmers, Pamela Seague, I don't know if you had an opportunity to meet her, but while we were there demonstrating in front of the White House, she received word from USDA that all 1.6 million in debt. Now, mind you, this debt has grown from 200,000 to over 1.6 million over the last 26 years, all of that debt was canceled. Mm. And when our paths mm. crossed back in 2020, they were entering into a foreclosure proceeding. So the ancestors were covering us um, on, uh, two days ago and mm. we felt their power. Uh, thousands of black farmers have transitioned to ancestorhood without restorative land justice from USDA. And it's unconscionable. Mm. It is unconscionable that Secretary Thomas Vilsack, again, knowing this history and understanding that his misleadership is not just during this tenure. This is our third term appointment of Secretary Vilsack. And he continues to um, uh, use the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund in a discriminatory manner. Uh, again, I think it's important for the listeners to know that the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund is a $30 billion replenishable fund. And since 1933, it has been used to undergird and support mostly white farmers at the exclusion of black farmers. Back then it was mm. our tenant farmer ancestors, right? And those policies continue today. So. Mm. Uh, Secretary Vilsack can use the Commodity Credit Corp to pay Tyson Foods $60 million for climate smart agriculture, ADM $90 million for so-called, again, climate smart agriculture. But then when we ask him, the Black agrarian community, 
we want a perpetual allocation in the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund to restore the Black agricultural land base. We're told no. It took him over 100 days to of inaction with respect to the debt cancellation program uh, for BIPOC farmers. But then he can implement another program called the Emergency Relief Program, and he has funneled over close to $7 billion to mostly white farmers, and they get paid in three days. So mm-hmm. we know we know that um, white uh, domination is the gesture of confusion and deception. And mm. that is what has been the pattern of uh, Secretary Thomas Vilsack. And it's very disappointing that uh, this Dixiecratic hold um, has such a stronghold on the on the Democratic Party. OK, so I know I have to my time is running out. Anyway, thank you again, Tracy. And I know our work uh, intersects and I'll see you on the street or, you know, at at an art event or something. I know we'll be working together soon. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Esther. And that will about do it for today's show. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. We're on two dozen stations on the Pacifica Radio Network and on all your podcast platforms at On the Ground with Esther Averam. Our website and archive to all of our shows is onthegroundshow.org. In addition, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and I also link to every show on my Instagram page at Esther underscore Averam. The music we played this hour included Harvest for the World, by the Isley Brothers, the instrumental version, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Ivarum. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. This is Esther Ivarum, producer and host of On the Ground, thanking you for listening and for being a part of our audience. And I'm asking you to please partner with us in keeping alive this independent grassroots news program from Washington, D.C. So please go to our page at patreon.com forward slash on the ground show. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash on the ground show. Or you can see all the ways to support, including end of the year giving and PayPal on our website, which, you know, is on the ground show dot org. Thank you.